and welcome to the Hadassah Collective podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marinan. The Hadassah Collective is a unique wellness-centered community created in and inspired by India, the birthplace of holistic health disciplines. The Hadassah Collective podcast brings together a carefully curated selection of my most trusted and inspiring innovators from every area of the health and wellness space. I invite my guests to freely share their gifts, their wisdom, their journeys, and their diverse points of view, discussing a vast range of topics, including shutdown and self-isolation strategies, integrated diet and fitness, yogic science, modern mental health, and holistic lifestyle, all to inspire you with relatable tools to help you consciously customize, support, and expand your life. In today's episode, I'm joined by Arzu K. Wanfar. Arzu is a Kundalini Yoga practitioner and the founder of InspireZoo. In this episode, we discuss her really interesting journey through the yogic sciences and technologies, starting at a very young age when she was introduced to meditation at just age five. By age seven, she was practicing Kundalini Yoga, and by age 14, she was the youngest KRI certified Kundalini Yoga teacher. So what we will discuss in this episode is how these technologies have equipped her to manage everyday life and also how we can take these technologies and apply them to our life and our practice and use them to help us navigate the Aquarian age. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Arzu, welcome to the Hadassah Collective. I'm so happy that you're here to join me um, in this interesting time that we find ourselves in. And um, I'm so looking forward to discussing all things Kundalini Yoga and um, fitness and how you shifted your entire business virtually. It's, it's incredible. And um, so welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Most welcome. So let's get stuck right in. Like, let's just give a little bit of a um, overview or paint a little bit of a picture about where you are spending the shutdown and um, how you're feeling, what the collective energy that you're, you're feeling as well. So let's go into that. Yeah, sure. I'm in Los Angeles. I was actually born here. And so many of my friends and family say that this is probably the most time I've spent in LA <laughs> since I was probably a kid. So it's good to be back home. Um, I recently moved into my own apartment. So this quarantine came at a good timing where I've really been able to enjoy the solitude of being on my own, having my own space. Mm. Um, but I did grow up here and it is home. I just travel so often that I didn't really get to appreciate being home. And so I'm making the most of it right now. Amazing. Amazing. And um, how, are you, how are you feeling about the shutdown? You have, how are you coping? Are there any feelings that are coming up for you personally? And um, what are you finding in your, with your clients? Um, I know you do a lot of one-on-ones that have shifted now to Zoom and to Google Meet, and, which is amazing. And um, what are you finding that they're the most common things that they're going through at this time? Yeah, well, actually, as you mentioned, like, what's the environment of L.A.? Like, I find mm. that people in L.A. are a little more f- 
open-minded and a little more chill. So I think I'm really lucky to be in this space where we also have the beach and the hiking trails that have just recently opened up. And so that energy here has been a lot more conducive to just relaxing and not being in the fear tense mode. Mm -hmm. Um, However, you know, it is normal for people to fall into the fear and the panic and all of the things that the news is feeding you to believe. And, um, you know, they, they have everyone has the right to feel what they do. I've noticed a lot of my clients, actually one of them, unfortunately, today was I've become a therapy, a therapist to a lot of my clients and she um, re- uh, called me out of the blue just being like, I think I'm going to divorce my husband. And I was just like, oh no, wow. this isn't... <laughs> Wow. So um, being a yoga teacher takes on many forms. Yeah. But I'm also a therapist for a lot of my clients in in a way that they just feel so open to share with me. And, um, yeah. you know, a lot of my clients being uh, they can afford private experiences, live in these huge mansion of homes. And I think this is the first time that they're really face to face with their partners, their husbands, their kids in a way that they maybe haven't in the past. And so mm. um you know, this specific client just because it happened today is fresh on my mind. And from the outside, everything looks great. And they post so many fancy photos on Instagram. But that's what we're really realizing is what's reality and what's this social media and what are people trying to project as their reality. Mm. And um, really using this time to come face to face with yourself. And I told her, well, what can we work on in you? Like you can't fix your husband right now, but what can you heal in you? And so I'm really helping people focus on themselves. What are their shadows that are coming up and a lot of times in relationships our our shadows come up in our partner so they're reflecting to us what we need to work on in us Uh, a lot of our karmas and so it's been uh, I'm really grateful that I've been able to support people I'm grateful that people have more time they're dedicating a lot more time to their self to meditation to yoga to all of the things that I have been preaching for so long and so finally people are saying all right I finally they're finally calling me and be like let's do this amazing amazing that's so interesting so tell us let's start at the beginning how did you start on this path you have such an interesting journey and um yeah such an interesting story so tell us where where did it all start when you were you were really young and how did you get onto this yogic path sure yeah my story is very unique i grew up both of my parents are from iran so i'm a first generation they met here in America. They're both from Iran and they're both Jewish. And so a lot of times when when people hear, you know, Iran and quote unquote Israel or Judaism, they believe that I can't be both. And so I was really blessed yeah. to have, you know, two cultural beliefs, two ancient, really powerful belief systems that um, have so much the culture of the Persian community and the culture of just being Jewish and Shabbat and gatherings, there was so much beauty in that. Mm. Um, However, there's also a lot, like with every culture and with every background, there's pros and cons. And so there's um, a lot of materialism, especially in Los Angeles and the showiness. And um, my parents were, I was really lucky that they didn't raise me in that way. So I think 90% of Persians in LA, if anyone watches this and they're in LA, they'll relate, but they all go to Beverly Hills high school. They all drive a Mercedes and all of these stereotypes, which unfortunately are often true. And so I grew up in the top of the hill in the mountains and, um, 
I was introduced to meditation when I was five, and that was what was really pivotal and what changed my entire course of my life. Um, There's a center called the City Yoga Center for Meditation, which I've been so blessed to have you come along with me when I visited in India. But um, yeah, I started going to the center with my parents and was really lucky to meet the living guru, whose name is Guru Mai. And she was doing a lot of tours at the time. So we would go to Ontario, Palm Springs. We'd go to all the different cities where she was doing tours. And I had darshan from her. She blessed me multiple times. And as a kid, you know, I didn't realize what that meant. I had no idea what a guru really is mm. and what Shaktipat is. And so it's only been recently that um, that's come into full wow and, and just full gratification and full devotion to a guru and realizing that that grace that I'm blessed with is guiding me throughout my life. Um, so I really owe it all to that. And mm-hmm. um, I was spending every summer at the ashram in New York, South Fallsburg. I was we would do like kids skits of doing the Bhagavad Gita and, you know so my summers were so different than a lot of the kids growing up in LA and yeah. I was really lucky about that and um, uh, after a while they stopped doing their summer camps and my mom was really on top of it she knew that raising a kid in LA full of superficiality meant that I needed the grounding tools and so she introduced me to kundalini yoga and uh, which you're also very familiar with and that is such a unique style of yoga it's not just the movement but it's incorporating ancient technology science mantras and mudras so at the age of seven here I am I'm going and we started going twice a week so no matter how busy my school was no matter how busy I had exams I committed we always went twice a week and my teacher grew sing became a father figure to me because I was so young. I looked up to him as a mentor and as a father. And he really took me under his wing. He became an amazing mentor, guided me through my life. He always repeated mantras to me that I needed, you know, hummy hum, brum hum. That's one of my favorite ones. What I am to be, I already am. And so to have that as a backbone growing up, you know, through high school with all the peer pressure and so much wanting to fit in he kept telling me you don't need to fit in you fit perfectly in you and yeah. those are life skills that we should all know and so that's why fast forward now I'm I'm so committed to teaching kids and teaching teenagers and having them understand what it that self-worth self-value so that we don't sabotage ourselves in different ways um, but yeah my life just took that that was the foundation of my practice and I started going to kundalini yoga camps every summer usually yeah. in south of France and practicing white tantric yoga when I was 12 I did my first white tantric which is a powerful experience yeah. of three full days um, you're holding kundalini kriya meditation postures for 31 to 62 minutes and um my first one was holding my arms out parallel to the ground and staring into my partner's eyes for 62 minutes. Wow. And it just taught me at a young age the power of our mind, that we can mm. literally achieve anything that we set our mind to. The willpower and the discipline that comes with kundalini yoga is, again, the foundation of who I am. It's gotten me to where I am right now. Yeah. And so I owe a lot to my spiritual teachers, my guides, my gurus. I've been very blessed and... Um, That led me uh, to doing a teacher training course. So when I turned 14, um, I 
walked up and signed the course and my father was like what are you doing and um, <laughs> you know our soul knows our soul has this inner calling and I yeah. didn't know what I was doing I just knew that I wanted to learn more I knew that I was fascinated and my father actually joined me and it was a beautiful father-daughter bonding experience we did our nine-month-long teacher training course together and uh, two of my wonderful sisters and friends did it with me as well, Kia Miller and Suk Dave from the Icona group. And so, you know, growing up with that was powerful, but it was also challenging. There was the challenges of here I am, this is like my secret world, and I'm going to go to this high school that was very, the most expensive school in Los Angeles, all the celebrity kids, and mm. they didn't know anything about yoga, they didn't know anything, there was no Lululemon, there was no popularity, especially in America at that time of yoga, and so there, I almost had two parts of me, and I think that to this day, that's something that I really work on walking that fine line, but now, mm. luckily, I, I embody it a lot more, um, but yeah, I started the first yoga club at my high school and um, people thought I was really weird sometimes, but I stayed true to myself and I, uh, it's a full circle. Now my high school offers it as a curriculum and offers it as an extracurricular. Amazing. So it's just been amazing to see the growth of people waking up to yoga and meditation. Yeah, 100%. There's been a huge awakening, um, especially I think it's really amped up over the last 10 years as well. And um, then as we've kind of collectively gone through this um, difficult experience globally, um, I've also seen another shift and another up level of awakening. And, um, you know, can you speak to that a little bit as well? Have you witnessed that within your friend groups, within your client groups as well? Is there, is there a, this craving to go deeper? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, I think just one of the positive things that we can take away from this quarantine time is the fact that even these, you know, in America, ABC and Fox and all these huge news companies, CNN, they're talking about meditation. They're bringing on Jay Shetty and all these people to talk about yeah. meditation. And even though that's such a simple word, this is a big deal to have it in the limelight. And so it's been, you know, that's, that's one positive thing that people are finally breathing and finally meditating. But mm. on a deeper level than that, I definitely noticed my clients being like all right I'm ready to do mantras I'm ready to go deeper than just the physical and for yeah. me that's music to my ears and that's when I can really guide them into you know the chamber of our heart our soul that inner voice that guidance our GPS system yeah uh, and it's been it's been a wonderful journey and it's been very rewarding I've I've been holding these 40-day uh, sauna practices and really giving people that support of consistency and I think when they commit to themselves, they're committing, obviously, to that growth. And so I'm definitely seeing people open-minded. I'm definitely... People who've never done yoga, never meditated, have actually signed up for my 40-day yeah. programs. And, um, you know, it's for everyone. It doesn't mean, like, you've had to do yoga for 10 years and then you can commit to yourself. Anyone can. You just have to be open. You have to believe. You have to be willing. You have to be committed. You have to yeah. be disciplined. Um, and those are the pillars of a spiritual life, I think. And just take the small steps as well. I mean, there's even periods, I mean, you and I have been practicing lots of different things. You've been practicing since you were like five, but even for myself, you know, there have been periods of my life that, um, you know, I'll be very intensely involved in something and then I'll sort of, you know, I'll add something else to the practice. I mean, there's core pillars for sure, but even though then there's other times in my life when maybe work is taking the front 
um, you know, the front priority. And so as it, it really doesn't matter about the amount of time that you dedicate sometimes to these practices, as long as you commit some time to these practices, right? And um, yeah, have some consistency around them. And moving back to, to your life, we're collectively going through a huge rock bottom, really, um, in, in the world. I think that we can all agree there's a lot going on in the world, um, and it looks different for everybody. But thinking back on your life, um, have there been any rock bottom moments, and what were the, some of the practices that you used to, to help you navigate those? Yeah, I think... Um... Well, one main rock bottom that that happened um, was that I dated someone that was a spiritual bypasser, a con artist, whatever you want to call it. And unfortunately, there's a lot of those here in LA who are just preying off of those spiritual girls and they'll go to yoga festivals and things. So I did fall trapped to that just because I'm a very trusting, vulnerable person and I want to see the best in people and really take, mm. take them for face value. And so... Um, that was a really challenging relationship that I was in. It was very toxic. And it got to a point that I actually lost a lot of my friends because sometimes we don't see it and our friends do. And so they were trying yeah. to kind of help me wake up to that. And I was just so in it. He had totally, um, he was a master of his words and he literally had bought books that I, he heard that I liked and put them around his house. And he had just done all these things to trick me. And, um, I lost a lot of friends and then what happened was literally my body got sick and mm. I am very healthy. I take really good care of my body and so I was really confused why I was getting these rashes and all these different things and I was about to move. Like I was about to move in with this guy and I was that blinded and um, yeah, I went to this healer, Howard Wills, who's world renowned. He's incredible. I highly recommend people do his forgiveness prayers and everything. But I had a session with him and, and he was like, you don't need healing on any physical, your body's fine. It's just trying to tell you, like it's trying to repel this guy out of your life. And I was like, oh, wow. you, you know? And he was like, yeah, he's a cheater, he's a liar, he's this, he's that. And I was like, oh. And, um, and so that was like a wake up call and I was like, okay. And so I did, and That's incredible. Um, you know, he almost called. He was crazy. He was coming to my door. I, my life, I felt very threatened, but I had to mm. do that. And obviously, my body healed. And and that rock bottom, uh, you know, turned me into. I, I'm so grateful for to him and for that experience because if it wasn't for that, I would have just kept going. And my whole life, you know, being a teacher at 14, I was pedestaled. I never really asked to be pedestaled at such a young age to be perfect yeah. and to do everything and know everything. And I was always, I started teaching when I was 16 and I have been teaching that same community till now. So that's 13 years later. Um, and so, you know, and I'm grateful for teaching, but there's so much giving, there's so much doing. And I forgot the importance of receiving and being and although I, I talk a lot about that I teach a lot about that I wasn't implementing it for myself and so that rock bottom was a huge wake-up call of what am I doing for me and how am I slowing down and mm. and that's when I I was like all right my friends are already like upset at me my family's like everything was on hold and I lost I had I, I basically sacrificed so many of my clients I stopped seeing clients because he needed me he was just sucking all my energy and so I I lost a lot of my business because I just gave it all up for him mm. and um 
that was the time where I finally said, I'm going to go back to India. And um, India has always been my soul home. And you know that more yeah. than anyone. I send you my Bhangra songs all the time. And <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> which actually we didn't get to mention in my life story. There's so many parts about it. But one thing yeah. that, we, that I wanted to mention is that after my teacher training course, you know, I was so enthralled and so deeply in the practice that I, commit, I convinced my parents to let me study abroad in India. I was 15 and I hadn't been away from home for more than three days. And I went away to this boarding school for a full year. And it was the best thing I ever did for myself. I, I am so grateful for the friends I made that were super genuine, but also living and breathing the practices. It's one thing mm -hmm. to talk about it, but to walk it and to be it was really special. And you know, every morning we would read the Japji, we would do all the Kundalini meditations and the sadhana and go to the Golden Temple. And it was wow. just... And so you went through this um, break, this really traumatic breakup, and it turned you to come back to India. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward. So my love for India and I was just like, I got to go back. And that's where really my love and my appreciation to the guru mm. came back as well. Because I said, you know, there's this ashram that has been so popularized recently in the news just because of Eat, Pray, Love and everything. But that's been my home and that's my soul's home. And I'm going to go to this ashram. And so um, I committed to three months and it was the first time I've ever really taken off. And it was really powerful. It was really, uh, it was difficult, of course. Um, we believe that ashrams are like a karmic battlefield. And so, so much was coming up and so much was testing me, but I also had a profound spiritual awakening um, and a Shaktipat experience. So life happens exactly in the way it's meant to. And I believe that all of our relationships, whether it's intimate or platonic, is coming to show us and teach us something. And so I'm really grateful that, you know, I had to have that intense relationship to wake me up and to to, and to bring you back onwards. to um to Ganeshpuri <laughs> yes and it's and now Ganeshpuri is really my favorite yeah. place to go to yeah, other yeah. than the golden temple of course and so um you know I actually spent eight months in the last two years in India and mostly in Ganeshpuri in Mumbai so for me, going back there is just recharging. And I say that to all my clients, but now I'm really practicing it. And so this quarantine is a full circle. This mm -hmm. is a recharging time. This is, uh, you know, Guru Mai always says, like, turn your heart into the ashram, turn your home into the ashram. And that's really what I'm, what I'm doing is, you know, I wake up, I'm doing everything as if I would be in the ashram. Okay, what would we do in the morning? Okay, we, we do our Guru mm -hmm. Gita. What do we do after that? I do my chants. And so it's up to us how we choose to live our lives and how we choose to wake up and what energy we want to give. And um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful for this downtime, actually. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So who have you been your greatest influences in your life, would you say? I mean, even in your personal life or celebrities or well-known spiritual figures, who, do, who has influenced you? Who do you look up to? Um, I would say the two people that have uh, inspired me are two people I'm close with. Uh, one is, of course, Guru Singh, who I mentioned mm. was a mentor to me. Uh, he taught me so much and implemented so much of the teachings into who I am. And secondly is Marianne Williamson, who uh, yeah. my mom and I are close with on her campaigns. And, you know, it was amazing that she did run for presidency. But just who she is and her teachings, A Return to Love, was my first book. 
that I really, um, self-growth, self-help book that I always tell people to read and just reminding us of that love and the return to love is reminding us that where there is love, there can't be fear and um, it's okay to feel the fear but to let it wash away and return to love. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah, she is. She is really incredible, and the Course in Miracles and um, all of, of the course. teachings from that. But the way she breaks it down, um, it's been a common thread. Actually, she's one of the most mentioned people um, when it wow. comes to resources, and yeah, throughout throughout all of these um, interviews that I've done. So yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people say like, "What was she thinking, running for president?" But I think mm. obviously, look at she got she got the message out to the masses. Mm. Whether she actually obviously was going to win or not, it was really about sharing and getting people to understand the depths of what the Course in Miracles is all mm. about. And so that's amazing that so many people have mentioned her. Yeah, I thought it was great as well that she brought that vo- you know she brought that different perspective. She brought a different voice to the the campaign trail and um and the democratic debates and i'm really grateful for her for that and her book politics of love as well is definitely yeah um a must read so um yeah so definitely and your mom was really involved in her in her campaign right so yeah we've supported her a lot it's incredible. It's and her really daughter's incredible. name, fun fact, her daughter's name is India. So her, her daughter and I oh, wow. really bond over our love for India. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. When are we seeing you back in India after the shutdown? I think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was planning on being back in November. I'm actually working mm. with a bunch of different people. I'm putting together some retreats. So when I'm in LA, I host something called a wellness day and it's an inspire you wellness day. And a lot mm. of you know, my clients and just even friends who can't afford to get away on a six-day retreat in a luxurious place or they just can't take time off, six days off, I, I started realizing, well, how can I support them to still get that retreat experience? And so that is what birthed my wellness day retreats. And so I host them at these luxurious homes of my clients who graciously open their doors. And I bring in all of the best people in the field of sound baths, breath work, and everything you could think of under the sun. And it's an amazing day of just giving back to yourself. So whatever I've had to go through and learn, I try to immediately implement for others. So this is a time of recharging, but also connection. I think um, self-connection is always number one and yeah. we forget the importance of that but also connection with people and I know right now during quarantine we're all craving that connection and so many people have reached out saying well, when is your next wellness day going to be so everything's up in the air um, but I host those quite often and I'm planning to do one in, in Mumbai and I'm really excited to collaborate with you and all of the Fantastic. amazing people in that world of delivering yeah. some really high conscious good vibe experience And um, I've been hosting retreats when I'm in there. I've taken a lot of people from America and Europe to like a seven-day retreat through Rajasthan. Um, We did Holi. We did the Sufi music festivals. I'm looking forward to doing that again. I taught a retreat in Goa, which I loved. And... um, yeah, and I, I, I've learned with India that I can't plan too much because when you come, you just have to surrender and see what <laughs> India has in store for you. <laughs> that's definitely that is definitely the lesson. It's like um, I think that's to say. I mean, I I've, I've lived in India for so long now, but um, that was definitely the lesson early on. Is that like drop the drop the should be's. Well, it should be like this, but it's not. So what are you going to do? You know, and it, it is that moment yeah. of surrender. And I actually love that. And I think Mumbai is 
going to teach that to anyone who lands in Mumbai and spends any amount of time there, that is the lesson for you because it it is a city that, um, you know, that just forces you to surrender. It's chaos and and it's magic all at the same time, but it really forces you into that space of surrender, whether it be with your time, whether it be with your patience. Um, you know, and so much surrender. I, yeah, so I'm so magic. so grateful for that as well. So, yeah, definitely. Well, also, I think that's a full circle in terms of what we're going through right now. Is surrender? Mm. That's a word that I've been using with so many clients, and you know, everyone's like, "Well, what's going to happen?" And what's going to? And it's just like, let's just step back. My favorite two words is have trust and have faith. Yeah. And when we have trust and faith, we're able to really let go of that control. And, and that's something that I've struggled with as well. And that's why India has helped me so much. I've had to control everything. And you and I were like, okay, we, we, yeah. we run so many projects and we're doing so many things. And so we've yeah. become these micromanaging, controlling people. <laughs> and um, it's helped me having to let go of that grip and to surrender and let the magic. I think the magic really comes out in those moments that are unplanned. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the beauty of surrendering and letting go. Definitely. And you, you kind of have this realization that you, you know, when you have to surrender, when you have to drop all of your plans and all of your control, um, you realize how, how supported you are by, um, you know, a higher being, a higher force, because magically things just sort of fall into place way better than you could ever have planned. And sometimes it's really painful. Sometimes it doesn't work out as we planned. And and that's a painful experience in itself. But, um, you know, if you leave some room for, for some magic to happen, then things really do fall into place and you can understand how supported you really are. Absolutely. So coming into, um, more of the lockdown perspective what is uh what does your day look like during the lockdown i mean i know that when we first when we first were in touch you were doing like five or six zoom workouts a day and i was like (laughs) because you were so excited you got time to attend your friends classes (laughs) oh it was amazing but are you are you still doing that are you still No, that wore off after the third week where I was like, okay. Um, I mean, I do struggle with FOMO. That is a very real thing. And um, and actually, ironically, I feel sometimes I am anxious when I'm in LA because there's obviously amazing like conscious yoga, spiritual, everything events happening everywhere at the same time, always. And I just want to be everywhere at once because I know everyone in the circle. So when I go to India, people always are like, but it's so much more chaotic there. There's cars everywhere and there's sounds everywhere, but Uh I just feel so much more at ease and the anxiety just washes out. Um, And so that FOMO, I guess, isn't as strong when I'm there, but when I'm here, it is. And so I was really lucky to well, no, I guess that's the whole thing with the Zooms. I The first week, everyone had lives, and I was just like, I want to do everyone's, and I'm going to yeah. do everything. And You had live FOMO. Um, <laughs> live FOMO, that's what happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and I was also teaching like one live a day because I wanted to give, 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 and then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's pause. Um, so now I'm in a much more balanced place. I, um, I probably work out maybe four times a week rather than three times a day. And, um, 
I'm hosting a lot more of these meditation courses, which have been more beneficial long-term for people. But for my own practice, um, you know, obviously I, I like to wake up, I'll do a cold shower, do my own morning sauna practice, do my affirmations, and um, see my clients virtually, which I think a lot of us didn't really expect that virtually would be as effective just because mm. I'm so used to being there in person but um it's been really really positive results and so I'm personally blown away at how effective it is and um yeah and just showing up to my clients and then handling a lot of just pivoting my business I'm putting I'm creating a lot of courses online and um just finding ways to pivot and be of uh, support to people online and so I'm planning another 40-day course starting on June 1st and I'm just going to keep doing these until we know that we can be in person and I think even when we are in person I'm going to keep doing these because we all need to maintain a daily practice and so Mm. what I tell all my clients is what my message is is what are we learning during this time and how can we implement it when we go back to our new normal Um, it's not really just oh I have time so I'm going to do it now and then forget about it and go back to my crazy lifestyle but what am I learning now that I can implement and make sure that I maintain once everything opens up again and and really keeping that as the foundation of our daily practice of our sadhana not something that I'm really blessed that kundalini yoga taught me a lot is the importance of sadhana not you know it helps us respond to people rather than react it keeps us grounded and rooted rather than in an anxious chaotic mind space and so yeah my daily practice fluctuates um and I definitely am lucky that here in America where or Los Angeles I'm able to go outside so I like to go for walks take a run and uh, go to the farmer's market and do the things I need to but only what's necessity and um yeah just catch up on so much that was on the back burner yeah yeah I think it's been an incredible time for that and um leaning into that next question through to the uh Beautiful segue into our next question, actually, that everybody is sort of, um, not everybody actually, but um, collective, the collective consensus is let's rush back to normal. But um, I think it's really powerful to take um, some time to decide, you know, what is worth rushing back to. So what are the things that you have found during the shutdown period that um, have been bringing you a lot of joy and you're going to be taking forward into, um, you know, life on the other side of this? And what are the things that you've realized, you know what, I can actually do without this and um, I'm, I'm going to leave it behind pre-corona? <laughs> <laughs> I think that what I actually learned about myself, so I'm going to go backwards in responding mm-hmm. to that, is um, that I'm actually quite a homebody you know, so many of my family are like, Arzu, are you okay? Like, I, I get ridiculed all the time because I'm on a plane more than I am in, yeah. in one place. And so everyone is just surprised that I'm handling this so well. And I'm surprised. Like, I didn't realize that I could be such a homebody. And just enjoy the downtime. I'm so used to go, 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 go. And so I think... Um, I'm going to really schedule that in if I need to, but make sure that I'm not constantly on the go. And um, of course, I'm really excited to get back. I have international retreats planned for all of summer. Who knows what's going to happen to that? But, you know, when I can, I look forward to traveling, but making sure that I may have my home time and I have this downtime because it's mm-hmm. extremely nourishing. And it also allows me to fill up my cup and to do the back end work that can then support me and not be as stressed in my life 
Um, and so that's what I learned about myself during this time and mm-hmm. what I want to implement going forward. Um, it's just really, I, I've kind of scheduled off my morning, so I don't really book any clients during a certain time. And so really just prioritizing the self-care time. Um, I started journaling again, which I haven't done at all. Uh, I used to, as a teenager and in college, I journaled all the time and I wrote so many poems and I have a book that's coming through me. So just really tapping into that creativity. I think a lot of my friends and community are all tapping into their creativity, whether it's writing a book, writing a song or anything at all. And so, um, you know, allowing myself that time to put the pen to the paper and see what the universe wants to have come through me and surrendering to those experiences have been really special for me. And also just, um, I think, checking in with family a lot. Like we're, you know, doing Zoom calls. I I had a Zoom with like 60 family members from Israel and all over the U.S. Like we would never did that before. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's some beauty in how we're actually craving connection and it's causing us to connect to people that maybe we didn't in the past. And, um, you know, in my 40 day sauna groups every day, I have a prompt. And one of them is, you know, I want you to call someone, not just text someone and tell them that you care, tell them that you miss them, tell them something that you admire about them that you maybe hadn't in the past. And I think that, you know, that's something that we should do all the time. You know, we're so used to texting, but that phone call is so, so wonderful to just truly Mm. be present for that other person and hear how they're doing and share. And so those are things that I think I really want to take forward and um, honoring my own schedule, honoring my pattern, honoring my my daily sadhana, my meditation and my self-care. Incredible, incredible. And is there one... um practice that you can give to our listeners that they can implement right now that would be useful for for this time Mm. um i'm going to give two just because if some people want something really quick Mm -hmm. it's the four seven eight breath and so i think that this is quite commonly known but if you haven't heard about it it really supports the anxiety and the tension and if you're ever feeling triggered this is your go-to and you know once we're back in our cars and we're driving and we're in rush hour this is something you don't need to be meditating and in stillness for you just inhale for a count of four you hold your breath for seven and you exhale for a count of eight And so whenever we double our exhale to our inhale, we are calming down that parasympathetic system, the nervous system, and that fight or flight mode. Um, And so that's a really simple breathing technique in pranayama, as we call it. So you inhale four, hold seven, and release eight. However, um, if you find that you are able to sit down and really be present to a meditation practice, I'm a huge, avid... uh, I love talking about Kirtan Kriya, and I know that Claire yeah. has heard me talk about it so much on so many lives, and together in <laughs> India, we did a brain-boosting workshop, um, and that's actually something that I didn't mention, but I did become a special, a specialized brain, certified brain specialist, and, you know, that meant a lot to me because I wanted to learn how can I give back to a community specifically um, there's a lot of research on Alzheimer's and dementia and how it's growing at a rapid rate every 66 seconds someone is being diagnosed and predominantly they're women and so you know rather than telling people to medicate themselves with pills what how can we meditate and so the mm. meditate don't medicate and there's Incredible. a lot of science now that's backing up 
how powerful these meditations are. And, you know, since I've been practicing all my life, I can be a living embodiment of the benefits. But if we have brain scans to show people that might not be as open-minded, it's been life-changing. And so if yeah. anyone's listening to this and they want to learn the research, I'm happy to share with them the links. I, we can put that out there. Yeah. But yeah, there's a huge contrast from just a matter of 12 weeks of the dimples being filled out, You depression was decreased, anxiety, better sleep, emotional well-being, your anti-aging DNA, your telomeralysis were expanded. I mean, just full spectrum, yeah. huge amount of growth. Um, and we can reverse our memory loss. So right now, I think, you know, that anxiety, the depression, the sleep, those are all things that we're working on that we need to focus on. So this is a wonderful meditation to do. It's called Kirtan Kriya. Um, and I love teaching it for corporate right now, for privates. If anyone's ever interested in learning more about it, I'd be happy to share. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, these ancient practices are really sort of coming full circle now. And I mean, I, I personally love this space where mysticism meets science and that there, there really is an overlap right now. And um, especially, I notice it, especially in, in Kundalini Yoga, I've experienced it myself. It's such a powerful practice to really shift energy throughout the body, but also with these mantras like Sata Nama, the... Um, you know, the science behind what that does to your brain as you chant this is is really incredible. And these practices have been known, you know, known for so many years. And now that this, now the science is coming full circle and supporting that and backing that. And it's so powerful because it is a, a natural way using sound, using breath, using movement, rather than let's just take a pill. I feel bad. Let's just take a pill. You know, it's really is... Um, something um our, our body supporting our body um and in healing in that space so i think these practices are so powerful absolutely and they don't have any of the nasty side effects that you get <laughs> yeah and i think with kundalini yoga you know for people listening that are new there's each kriya set of postures mm. are for a specific end goal result which is so unique you know there's over thousands of meditations and kriyas to pick from um, today I was on that festival, on a festival called Corona, but yeah. I taught about the aura and how we can expand our aura. I taught about manifestation, what me- what mantra, what mudra can help us manifest. So, you know, that was just one example, but there's things to do for your adrenals. There's things to do to, there's just so many options. So I think people are finally open to it and this is the time to really help them say okay where are you at what do you need support with and here are the tools that can help you you know these tools are things that once you learn it they're they're within you the mantra the mudra these are things that you don't need someone else really to do once you learn it and so Mm. you know as a as a teacher, my goal isn't to, you know, have them relying on me. It's just to give them the tools and then allow them to be self-reliant and and implement it in that daily practice. Fantastic. Fantastic. And um, what resources have you been tuning into in this time? Have you been reading any specific books or any lives that you never miss? And, um, you know, any podcasts you've been listening to that you think would be beneficial to our listeners? Yeah, I think um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, his books are amazing. I'm reading Mm. multiple 
versions and he really bridges a lot about kundalini and the brain um, yeah so for me it's right up my alley and what lives he literally is Andrew? the embodiment of that space that i was talking about where mysticism meets um science and yeah um his his research yeah. and his work is so so interesting and so powerful so yeah fantastic sorry yeah the next so there's lives happening all the time he was mm. just on a live um with the founder of the heal documentary which i highly mm. recommend if someone yeah. hasn't seen that you know this is your time to catch up with movies and films so watch heal um and it just goes to show the power of the mind to heal yourself um but yeah i just have been staying in the circle of seeing what lives what uh guru singh is doing yoga classes often which is yeah. really special cord who's another wonderful kundalini teacher is doing lives and um I guess there's just so many in my head. I'll have to send you some links and then you could share it. Um, we can put it in the show notes. Because sure. I'm just on an overload with so many lives. <laughs> um, but yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you're doing a lot of really interesting lives yourself as well. I just, um, I watched the one that you did with um, Benjamin Decker, and I, I believe it's actually, he's posted it to his IGTV, if anybody wants to go and, and listen to it. That was a really, really good one. Um, I also love the one you did with Koya Webb as well. She was really um, she was really cool Thank too. So, yeah, I did yeah. one with Koya Webb. I did one with Curtis, who's Man from the Stars. He's a really powerful breathwork mm. teacher. Um, and he's also, if people are open to more, not quote-unquote conspiracy theories, but he really is like sharing a lot about what's really going on. And so he has a different perspective. It's refreshing. And mm. also my friend Bryant Wood, he's an amazing practitioner. He's putting on a lot of great things. I did a live with him. Um, so yeah, the people I've been trying to do lives with are people that I look up to, people that I think are doing a great job in their field and how we can partner together and keep sharing good information. Amazing, amazing. And so what's, um, what's next for you? So how do, without being too crystal ball gazing or future predicting or anything like that, how do you see us moving out of this? And um, how... Are you preparing yourself in your business and to navigate through this um, through this time and out onto the other side? Yeah, um, sure. I you know I watch different YouTubes of people channeling and giving us answers of when and mm. I think you can get so bogged into all of that and I'm trying to just stay in that place of surrendering. Um, so as of right now, who knows if I'm going to be teaching my yoga retreat on a yacht in Greece and the islands that I was so looking forward to or yeah. my festival in Bulgaria that I go to every year to teach at. So um, what I'm really doing for myself is having that plan B, that back burner of, okay, I'm doing a lot of online courses and those are things that can help people. I'm starting to film doing some online yoga videos that people can purchase um, rather than coming to a class to purchase, they can have that with them. So just starting to do more and more of that um, and know that that's actually going to sustain us. This is kind of the way of the future. We all are kind of shifting online, whether yeah. doors open tomorrow or in five months from now, we are definitely shifting online. And so you know, having a lot of meditations that people can, that I've recorded, they can download. And um, I've actually, so my wellness day that I mentioned I do in person, I've co-hosted two now so far during this quarantine time. So I'm doing more mm. of these wellness virtual retreats online. And there's a beauty to it, really. Uh, yeah. We've had six 
countries represented from 15 teachers I brought on and that's that's amazing I wouldn't be able to do that normally um, and being able to tap into a huge audience that can all participate together and so I, I like to really I think it's all in our perspective our narrative how can we see this as a positive of course there's a lot of suffering and I try to raise a lot of awareness about how can we give back and mm. especially to people that right now are not even able to eat and feed themselves not even has anything to do with the virus it just has to do with they're out of jobs and they can't um they're suffering and dying because of their lack of food um so there's there's this huge importance of if you're in a financial place that you can give back please do but also rather than focusing on the fear focusing on the good and how we're able to share our message to a larger audience at a faster pace and a faster time so I'm, I'm really working on that and hosting a lot more online so um, I'm doing I've also I didn't mention I've been teaching a lot of kids and so that's been really rewarding for yeah. me um, teaching kids at home where the parents need a break and giving them the tools that I mentioned I got at a young age so I'm just creating all of these courses so for kids yeah. for seniors doing Alzheimer's for parents for everyone so that even when things have open up, they'll have the tools to help them. Yeah. And I personally, because I travel so much and um, I personally love the fact that a, a lot of stuff is available online because there's so many teachers that I really love, especially in LA. Um, you know, yeah. I, I love um, checking into Guru Jagat's class at Rama and also Guru yeah. Singh. And I think it's so amazing that I mean, right now I'm not even in Mumbai, I'm in Thailand and I'm able to access classes from you, I'm able to watch Guru Jagat, I'm, um, I'm yeah. able to have healing sessions and yoga classes with Lamia in Bombay. And um, so I think that that's like incredible that we have all of those tools at, at our disposal and we're not, um, you know, we're not hindered by locality anymore. And, yeah. um, but I do all, think... Sorry, and moving into, I think that you also, are you doing another one of your, I loved your 40-day um, sadhana practice. I got a lot out of that. I did your one that we did at the beginning of the year, and um, I thought it was such a beautiful way to connect with people. Again, at the beginning of the year, we weren't all in shutdown, but it was so cool that we had people from all over the world on this group, and we were all coming together. And I really loved your journal prompts and things like that. I already have a pretty committed kundalini sadhana practice myself but it was really nice to tie it in with um, the journal prompts and also the feedback from other people I thought that was really cool so when are you doing another one of those oh thank you that means so much <laughs> to hear from you especially with all of your practice so um you know I had a 40-day one it ended on May 11th and everyone was like we don't want to stop we want to keep going and I was like all right so I I mean, I didn't sleep for almost two days, I, I do have to admit, <laughs> but I, I hustled it all together and I created a 20-day course and we're ending off May. And, um, you know, right now I have people who've never done Kundalini who've like healed their mm -hmm. inner child work through some of the prompts, through the meditation. Wow. People have, men, women, they're all like, I've been crying, I've been releasing, because right now we're doing Ramadasa for healing. 
And so every, every time I have a different theme and um, it's just, as you mentioned, it's so beautiful to have people from all over the world. We have over 50 people and they're all sharing, they're all connecting and we're connecting virtually, but it's still so felt the energy of knowing that we're collectively in it together. Mm. And so my next, so this ends on May 31st and we're going to go right into the next one on June 1st. I love to do these starting with the month so that we can keep count of what day we're on. So June 1st will be a 40-day sauna. In Kuna Yoga, we believe it takes 40 days to change the habitual patterning in your brain. And so by committing to 40 days, you'll really commit to seeing those lifelong changes and habits change in your life. Um, and so people could sign up and join. It's, you know, you, when people always ask, we all meditate at the same time, but we don't. So it's really nice in that way that you can just meditate at whatever time works for you. And that's a question I get asked all the time. Like, should I meditate in the morning? Should I meditate at night? And my answer is really what works for you. You know, if you're someone that wakes up and you um, need to run, do something and you're not really in a state to meditate, then do it in the evening so it helps you go to sleep or do it in the morning if you know that it's going to help you throughout the rest of your day. But um, this has just been a really great way to hold space for people to find what works for them and know that the community is with you. We're all holding each other accountable. As you mentioned, the daily prompts and I'm going to offer Zoom calls every 10 days. They can ask me questions and we'll all do yoga and meditate together within the group. And cool. it's only a dollar a day. And so it's really super affordable. I, I know um, Ben Decker is offering a 20-day one for $1,000. I mean, it's just like people are offering it for a lot. Um, but my goal is to really make it affordable so that anyone and everyone can benefit from these practices. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, Azu. Yeah, as I said, I, I really enjoyed my experience. So I think that it really crosses... You know, if you already have, if you're already experienced with Kundalini, which like I, I am, I have a, I have a pretty um, regular practice, and um, or if you're a complete beginner, I thought that it was perfect. We had everybody on there, and so it was, it was a lot of fun, and um, I really enjoyed that. So looking forward to the next one in June. And until then, when where can people find you? Where can we find you on Instagram and your website and these kind of things? Yeah, um, my website actually has been in the last two years under construction. So quarantine agenda number one is to finally finish that. If you're listening to this and you can help me with my website, please holler. <laughs> but um, the best the best way to reach out to me is through Instagram. Um, yeah. It's inspire underscore ZU. Uh, as I mentioned, my brand is called Inspire Zoo, and I really live to inspire you and inspire everyone in however way possible by being in my state of genuine, authentic self. And that's the Bij Mantra and Kundalini Yoga, Satnam, truth is our name, honoring our own divinity, our own truth. And that's really been how I birthed Inspire Zoo. And my Instagram, I hope, is a place that inspires you, whether it's my lives or my posts. I have long captions, so feel free to see what resonates with you. And I hope that we can connect there and see how I can support you, whether it's through privates, if your corporate company maybe wants to do some spinal stretching and Kundalini practices, your kids four-day course, whatever resonates. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Arzu, thank you so much for being with me. It was um, fantastic chatting with you, and I can't wait to see you and have some 
many more ashram visits with you and yes, uh, when this wait. when this is all over yeah I can't wait to, I'm really looking forward to it so um, thank you so much for your time I know that you're super super busy and um, I always appreciate it and um, we will chat to you soon yeah I can't wait to go back to the ashram today was actually Baba Muktananda's birthday so it's wow. an auspicious day yeah and I can't wait for us to chant together and be together sure. soon thank you so for much sure. for having me Thank you, Arzu. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some things to take away from our amazing guests' insight. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And for more information on the Hadassah Collective, you can visit our Instagram page at Hadassah Collective. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode at the same time next week. And until then, have a wonderful week.